Looking forward to a relaunch. Welcome to Hand of Pod. Welcome to episode 322 of Hand of Pod. I'm Sam Kelly. I'm joined this week by English Dan. When we on 300 just a week ago? Two weeks ago now. And we've done 20 episodes since then? 320. 302, I said. You said 322? 302. Ah, there we go. That's, that's I what thought, I meant to say. I mean, I, don't, I know I don't pay that much attention, but I missed, like, I missed 20 that. episodes in two weeks? It seemed a lot of work even for you. So. It's, it, it's, it's been quite busy during the World Cup, but I'm not sure it's uh, that busy. No, anyway, that's true. welcome to 302 then, which Indeed. sounds a much more reasonable number. Quite. And we're also joined by Andres. Hello. Uh, I suspect Dan and I are in a slightly better mood as football fans than you are at the moment, Andres. Yes, of course. I, I, I was forced to come here. I must tell listeners uh, that I didn't want to come because well, I am very sad now. Uh, oh, that, that reminds me, actually. I've got your money done for uh, May and June. Oh, and excellent. Our patrons are paying us. Pretty I'm able good. to pay people. So Andres isn't, in fact, being forced. He's, yes. he's going to be getting a sizable sum of cash to uh, mm-hmm. his appearance today. Um, the relaunch that I spoke of at the start of the theme tune there uh, was not for Hand of Pod. Don't worry, we're not wiping everything back to episode zero. Um, it was for the AFA. Or for the national team, or for something or other. But there's going to be a relaunch in Argentine football, possibly, depending on who you yeah. And we will be discussing it, maybe, or our thoughts on it, um, a little bit later. But obviously the first theme of the day is Argentina against France. Indeed. Well, um, uh, until the fifth minute, or I don't remember exactly the minute in which... Mercado scored the uh, second goal of Argentina. We all thought that the miracle, there will be a second miracle in the World Cup. And I thought, or, or Argentinian supporters thought, that it would work that way. Finally, it didn't. And well, uh, the strange thing about the match against France is that sometimes, and it was in that match that uh, the that football has reasons or has its logical things. Um, because all all previews uh, that you could read or or, or, or even perhaps talk about uh, said that Argentina had no chances against France because they had a better team by all means, mm. uh, and but they didn't have they, they hadn't shown shown that in the knockout stage or sorry in the group stage, uh, winning their their matches with a very narrow. Uh, difference and not showing that uh, football that they sh- finally showed in the round of 16, independently of Argentina not being great. Uh, so I thought it will be more n- more tight. Uh, it was tight until the Mercado, and as I, as I said, uh, scored the, the the second goal of Argentina. But uh, of course, at the moment, it was very. I was very upset. I was like, uh, "What are I am going to do now?" Or what sport 
will I will I watch now apart from football? And after a couple of days, I I understood that it was natural for France to beat Argentina uh, since their players and and, and they, that having a, a, a structure and an idea of what to do in the in the in the match. Mm. While Argentina had good players, not having a plan. Um, so, if you analyze all all of the all the thing, the the, the natural thing was, was for France to to beat Argentina, and it was like that. Yeah, yeah um, it was the third minute, by the way, of the, okay, the second, second half, half. Obviously, yes. for the benefits yes. of our listeners, um, that's how uh, lots of people in South America talk about it for some reason. Indeed, but yeah, but it was it was three minutes into the second half, but Carlos gone. Yeah, um, I must agree with Andres. I think the result was a fair one in the end. Uh, it was a logical result by by some distance. France were the better team, not just uh, as a team, as a collective unit, but also in individual talent. If you look at the France team, you put the Argentina up, team up alongside, you'd say... If you it's much more balanced. It's much more balanced, but it's a better team at the end of the day. You look at the Argentina team and you'd say how many players we're getting. Uh, from the Argentina team to France, Messi wow. and Messi, possibly Aguero in for Giroud, but he wouldn't work as well in that system. So maybe he got on the bench as well, which he was also on the bench mm. for the Argentina team. So you can't really have any arguments about that. I thought France were in control pretty much from the off. Um, the two goals Argentina scored to turn it around early in the first half in the, in the first minutes of the second half were not uh, the result of any technical brilliance or or collective ingenuity rather a couple of individual moments and a fairly substantial slice of luck uh, in the <laughs> second goal from Merca- from Mercado which was obviously Messi's shot that just bounced off him without really knowing much about it and then yeah when France saw they needed to step it up, they did. Um, the equaliser followed shortly afterwards. It was a little bit annoying from an Argentine point of view because he thought that if they could just weather the storm for a while and keep tight, make sure the likes of Mbappé, Lucas Hernandez couldn't break through and cause havoc, they could start making France a bit nervous despite these um, technical disparities we've been talking about. But they couldn't do that. Um, a horrible hash of a, of a very good cross from Federico Facio set up this young right-back lad, Pavard, who came in with a fantastic volley. Which uh, deflected off Angel de Maria's hand. Did it? I think that's what gave it the spin. It was, uh, one, one of my friends posted up on Facebook the day afterwards, uh, Deadspin that have done, apparently, a series of super slow-motion moments, um, uh, videos of, of key moments from the World Cup. And this was one that they chose to do. And when you watch it slow right down, mm-hmm. um, it, it, just as it brushes past, Di Maria sort of runs past as it passes him, and it just seems to cushion. It's like the spin of the ball changes ever so slightly, uh, just as it, it, it deflects off it uh, from the look of it. But it, it's impossible to spot, obviously, at any other speed. But, um, well, there you go. Yeah. Uh, yeah, from there, obviously, having failed to, to control the game while ahead, you'd still think, right, second half, two all, this isn't a result that Argentina would necessarily 
be too upset with at this point. Um, France was still the team with it all to do, you know, with their better team and, and possibly feeling the pressure. If they played intelligently again for another 20-minute stretch they, and, you know, worked off the few chances that came with them, they might just get back into it. Hmm. No. Because this is a team that was captained in all but name and all but the armband by Javier Macherano. And we all know by this point that Javier Macherano doesn't play with his head, he plays with his heart. And so what we had was a team of fairly headless chickens running all over the place and showing plenty of heart, but not doing what they had to do, which was um, drag their lines back, let France come on to them, neutralise the Usain Bolt-esque pace of Kylian Mbappé, and just work on the counter. They continued with this ridiculously high defensive line. It got filtered through God knows how many times. Mbappé made himself a hero, and we might have had a... A little horror at the end, but you have to remember that was when France had already taken off their two best players in, in the game, in Griezmann and Mbappé, and pretty much said, right, Argentina, do your worst, we're pretty confident of getting through. Um, but as I say, you can look at whatever you like, tactical mistakes, um, individual errors on the day, but you can't possibly expect it to go any other way that kind of game it was it was a match that was was completely mismatched I think from the start and uh, unless something fairly miraculous was going to happen it really wasn't going to go any other way yeah I think there was an idea of Saboli to um, surprise the, the especially the left back Hernandez with Pavon including Pavon finally as a in a certain lineup And it it uh, finally was the other way with uh, a lot of space for for Mbappe, Pavard, and Hernandez in the attack of, of France, of course, uh, attacking the, the blank spaces that were left by the Argentinian midfielders and defenders and right backs and right and left back. Um, I mean, that's always going to happen when the two players who are tasked with like stemming the tide, are Macherano and Rojo, who are two of the slowest elite professional footballers I know there's just no chance they can they can deal with that well also not, not just that but when Marcos Rojos had a fairly disappointing first half and so you replace him at half time with Federico Facil I think that was possibly the one I think out, that was certainly the one outfield player yeah. in Argentina's squad if not in the whole of the World Cup who's slower I think that um, was a change more geared towards not going down to 10 men because the way Mar Marcos Rojo was going he was definitely going to end up with a namesake card Yeah, maybe. Uh, there was also yeah. a, a, a lack of, of. It's easy to say now after the the, the match has has ended and and uh, repeating the same thing because it was already has already been saying said that uh, it looked like Sampoli didn't plan plan uh, had a plan didn't have a plan and when he had it he finally get got rid of it as. In, uh, insisting with Mesa, who is a great player, but uh, uh, after before Mesa came came into the team, he had already practiced with Lochelso and having Dybala, Aguero, and Iguain in the bench. Insisting with Maximiliano Mesa, who uh, is a great player, but uh, showed in the minutes that he had uh, in the in the matches that it, it wasn't his time for the national team. 
at least in my opinion, of course, and I don't say that uh, he can must, must not be called up again and something like that, but uh, he seated with, with players that showed that they weren't at this moment prepared for, 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 the, for the team. You see, I get a bit tired of this debate because we can say, right, yeah, Iguain or Aguero, Messi force nine, Messi on the right, Messi on the left, Messi as playmaker, Di Maria, Pavon, whoever you like, but the big problem with Argentina is that as the old um, the old fable goes, they were they were building on foundations of sand, and with such a weak base, you know, such a frail defence and such a an unimaginative and and one paced uh, midfield, there's just no way you can get that moving. And you look at the teams who are left in this World Cup; none of them, none of them have that problem. They're all. No, fairly substantial at the back and they know what they're doing in, in spite of which for all of the, the fact that France's victory was obviously deserved um, they only actually gave France four chances it was that all four of France's shots went in Argentina also had four shots well Griezmann Sorry, hit the ball so I'm target. not sure Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> France had four shots on target Argentina had four shots on target uh, the only player to take a shot on target which didn't go in in the match was Lionel Messi yeah, who had that when he was sort of stumbling over um, towards the end of the dribble in the second half, wasn't it? Yes. Um, but, I mean, uh, obviously you're right if Argentina had a more solid defence and, and and also a more solid midfield, things could have been very different. But also, maybe don't play a false nine with two wingers who are just set up to get to the byline and cross it in and you're not asking them to invert at all. I mean, the first time the wingers switched over... Flanks yeah, that would have been eminently Messi more sensible. Maria went to the yeah. right. If you're going to play Messi as a false nine in the middle with nobody as a target man, yeah. then you need the wingers. The whole point is that when he drops off, the wingers should be sort of coming into to the centre forward yeah. channels uh, so that he can lace balls through to them. And they weren't doing; they were they were playing as wingers because that's what Angel Di Maria and Cristiano Pavon do. Well, this is a problem. Yeah, I, I mean, I can see what Sampaoli saw when he devised this tactic. Uh, Argentina. I, I'm, I'm struggling. Argentina recovering the ball, getting it up the midfield fairly quickly, Messi being in there, and Di Maria and Pavon overlapping on each side with these diagonal runs into the box, and Messi having his pick of two, and perhaps Enzo Perez as well, pushing up from midfield to join him. But it is sort of overestimating, especially Yankee Di Maria and Cristian Pavon, who's come on leaps and bounds in this sense anyway, who... Di Maria, at least, is he's not the most intelligent no, player to play with that kind of system. And, and it seemed particularly bizarre to me because after the Nigeria win, Sampaoli sat down in the press conference and he was asked about his tactics and why he'd chosen the team that he chose with Higuain alongside Messi and almost sort of a 4-4-2 up front. And he, he spoke for a couple of minutes, I thought quite well and quite convincingly, about how Messi playing as a sort of second striker and pulling off to the right of the pitch... Um, allowed him to find more space than he had done in the more central areas early on, in, earlier on in the tournament that is and so you think well okay so having recognised that fact why do you then stick him back in the middle with nobody at all to help him he's not playing as a second striker he's playing as the striker 
um, against a much better team. Why don't you maybe stick with that idea you've got? I get that it's Jorge Sampaoli and that he constantly has to change everything mm-hmm. from one game to the next or constantly has to little, you know, little fiddling about bits. But surely you can keep the same basic personnel and maybe switch Higuain out for Aguero or something. No, I agree. Keep the shape because that was what worked. Yeah. I do think forward. the big problem here, you know, the overarching problem in all the games in this whole cycle, this whole year that Sampaoli's had and beforehand is that... Um, He's been setting up teams, which I think that before all four games, we could look at it and say, oh, fair enough. The problem is their systems, their tactics for players who know what they're doing and know how to combine with each other, know how to connect. And this is something Argentina hasn't done in whatever system, in 4-4-2, They haven't been able to connect as a team uh, since Martino left and possibly uh, you could argue effectively since Savela left so and it's weird because it's almost like the same core of players but they just have forgotten how to play with each other it's I don't know it's inexplicable to me I think I think that uh, there's a problem with the with the Argentinian players and of course, Macherano will uh, give his op- his opinions to, to to a coach that have one year of uh, old in, in his charge in his position, while Macherano has I I said this in the previous episode that has 18 years of experience playing for. Yeah, but that's not a virtue, Andres. When the guy's 34 playing in China, but and I'm able to yeah, run. Yes, so, of course. <laughs> I, I understand that. But if we're going to use that virtue, let's bring back uh, Passarello, who's 60. I, I understand that, but no, but there is something true. I don't say that uh, Machirano was one, the one who built the team, and that. but there is something true, which is that, that I, I think that the Chilean players, Chilean players listened to Sampaoli, and, and that's why I think they received their, his ideas with better... Uh, I think accept, they, they, they accepted his idea, which was followed by... That was the continuation of an, another idea. And in this case, it was like building something from the zero, from, from like, uh, from zero, and, and, and with players that had already been... Pro- had already had problems and are, were blocked <coughs> mentally. And, and I think that they weren't available for, to listen to an, any coach. I don't say San Paolo, I say any, mm-hmm. any coach. I agree, I agree. There, is, there did seem to be this sort of resistance to authority that had sprung up in the late, the last days of Martino, was definitely there in, during Bausa's short stay, and with San Paolo it's come to a head. It's like this idea that the, that the dressing rooms pretty much managed itself with Machirano and, and Messi at the head. Uh, if not, there's simply no way to explain why Machirano, a guy whose final farewell match for the, Argentina should have been that 6-1 defeat against Spain where all the problems with him at the centre of a team were more than evident against top-class opposition. And to explain why he played all 360 minutes in, in Russia, if not because of this, this dressing room, is, is beyond me. I don't know what you think, sir. Well, I mean, I think that... I, I think we need to address the... Something that I think a lot of our listeners are probably going to have heard and might be wondering about, um, because it seems to have been reported almost as fact in a lot of places, including Argentina, 
but it, it seems like a lot of English language uh, press as well have, have sort of picked up on this and just reported it as, oh, this is what's happening. Because the Argentine press, some bits of the Argentine press say it's happening, so it is what's happening. Mm -hmm. Even though these people are, you know, yellow journalists, uh, basically. <laughs> um, which was that Messi and Mascherano were picking the team. Uh, which wasn't happening you know no i'm not I saying that i realize that you're not i just wanted to yeah. to clarify that to everybody because um we have a wide variety of listeners some of whom um obviously aren't you know necessarily listening in in their native language and it might be uh, a little uh find it a bit more difficult to pick up on nuance and stuff so we're not saying that that's what happened um but i do agree that, that, that there's been a as you say, a resistance to authority. Yeah. Um, Which was intensified sort of really with that messy international retirement and the fact they had to bend over backwards to, to bring him back. Yeah, right? perhaps. I mean, I, th I think it made sense at the time. He was talking mm. out, obviously, he was talking out of frustration. Um, and and I th it obviously, whoever came in afterwards wasn't just going to go, okay, well, Messi said he's retired, so we're yeah. not going to consider him. They were always going to do everything they could whoever it was, whether it was Balsa or Sampaoli or Pochettino or Simeone, whoever, um, to try and get him back into the fold. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it's, it's a tricky one. I, I almost wonder whether this, this very Argentine resistance to Sampaoli throughout, even before he got the job, this idea that the media were lobbying for him, but that because he'd never done anything in Argentina, he wasn't worth anything. Um, had fed through to the players as well, whether they were sort of, equal, or some of them at least, were equally sceptical. Because, you know, players are human beings. They're normal yeah. people like you and I. They don't necessarily, not all of the players, even uh, think about off-pitch stuff all that much. And yeah, and the one thing he's most known for was celebrating in the face of Messi, of Mascherano, of Aguero in the 2015 Copa America final. Mm -hmm. And there is a contradiction. Something, right? Because Sampoli must have uh, done something must have done something in Argentina to be approved by their his colleges because they are co the coaches also saying that Sampoli was not uh, the one to to be at the bench but for the players it's the other way around because if they don't play in Europe they are not uh, uh, suitable for 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 the team uh, except with the exception of uh, well Pavon and Soperes and Armani in this case because he had brilliant uh, matches and it was like there was no other uh, goalkeeper apart from, in this case, well, Caballero, mm. because Ro um, Romero was injured. So it's strange how the treatment of some uh, uh, sides of the of the media uh, say yes, he's this is for the for the team and this is not, and and the the, the coaches or the players in this case because there were goalkeepers saying that Armani. Weren't the one that Marco Diaz? Yeah, Mariano Andujar was, yes. was coming out, wasn't he? It's saying, so, "Oh, I should have been in that squad." I'm only shit. Yeah. It's really? it's strange the way in which the the, the, the own uh, coaches and players uh, give their opinions about their their teammates or colleges. Mm. It's really mm -hmm. strange. Yeah, um, and and yeah. And, and you're right, and, and, and the fact that Sampaoli won everything that he won outside Argentina also doesn't help. I'm reminded of the early years of the career of Lionel Messi. <laughs> when, yeah. you know, it, 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 it seemed to remain a bit of a meme um, 
in the English-speaking world outside Argentina quite a while after actually Argentines had changed their opinion on it. English-speaking people seem to continue to believe that Argentines still thought, well, he's never won anything in Ar- with Argentina or he's never played in Argentina. Yeah, that now. hasn't been the case for um, at least four years. But certainly in, in, in the early years, it was it was definitely true. And I wonder whether some of that is down to San Paoli, uh, is, is what's happening to San Paoli now as well. The, the, the fact that... People here don't tend to pay attention to non-Argentine football, even when he's won the Copa Sudamericana with, with a, a club in a neighbouring country. Mm. Even when he's won the first ever Copa America that said neighbouring country have won in 99 years of trying. Um, he, he, there are still people who were resisting him. I'm not going to say, oh, there are still people who are resisting him now and it's astonishing. Because obviously it's not astonishing now because he's gone out there and absolutely stank out a World Cup with the team which included Lionel Messi, which really <laughs> takes some doing. Um, but, you know, a year ago when he was appointed, it seemed like, yeah, this is the sensible choice. He's going, we said at the time, he's going to struggle to get Argentina to be genuinely competitive at the World Cup. Not that we were expecting them to be as bad as they have been, but we weren't expecting him to actually win the World Cup with them. But in the medium to long term, it seemed like the right choice. Um, we shouldn't forget either that I don't think San Paolo even went into this World Cup uh, a universally popular figure that I remember criticisms of him springing up as early as as his last World Cup qualifiers, where people started to say, ah, oh, what, what's this guy doing? And there was always this kind of mumbling around him. And uh, after that, I don't know if you remember, on around Christmas, the video came out of him uh, yelling at a police officer. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I'm and, I mean, the first person to say the one. Yeah. I'm, I'm a fan of his achievements as a coach. Um, the last few weeks aside, obviously, uh, I, I've, I've long held the view that he seems like an absolute bellend as a person. Yeah, but go and, go and pass that, because what he's like as a person doesn't interest me particularly. What does interest me is just this level of, um, of press operations he's been subject to, which I don't think any other Argentina coach has had to, has had to face. These uh, WhatsApp uh, voice messages, that video being leaked to the press... All this kind of stuff. Um, the fact that I think, but is, is some of that also just down to the fact that he is somebody who, who, I mean, Bowser and obviously Savena, much more private people, and we're now in a world where this is how the media works. It, it's all online, twenty four seven. Well, I have heard that this all stems this media resistance that has built up around him almost from the start, uh, from his faithful reflection of one particular. Uh, Bielsa philosophy, and which is that he never gives exclusive interviews to, uh, to the press. Uh-huh. He only only works through press conferences, and that doesn't always go down with um, very well with the Argentine media. Interesting, given that, as I said, there are quite a lot of fans who feel that San Paoli has the job because the media were lobbying him, lobbying for him to get the job. Well, since he would uh, never worked in Argentina, they haven't realised that he wouldn't give them interviews. Well, possibly, yeah. And but the interesting, they speak to their colleagues in other countries. Yeah, they just like a good lobby, I think. And the interesting thing for me as well, like going back to this World Cup as a whole, is I was talking to a, to a friend of Handapod, uh, Rupert Fryer, the other day, and he pointed out that um, as far as I can tell and as I can remember, if I'm happy to be corrected, uh, Lionel Messi, despite being Argentina's captain, didn't f- fulfil a single press obligation this World Cup. Not a press conference, mm. not an interview at all. Despite the fact that the captain is, I believe, mandated by FIFA law to give at least one. 
Oh, hang on, no, he did. He he was in the press conference with Sam Fowley after the uh, Nigeria game. Oh, really? For the first ten minutes or so, he answered the first three questions, and then he left, and Sam Fowley answered the rest. And that was his entire... Because he was the man of the match in that, yeah. so, um, in that game. Fair, so, yeah, ten minutes in the entire tournament, let's mm. say. It's not much, is it? No. Let's say, it's not. for someone, you know, who is the example of his country, the role model. And it, it, I think as well, what was quite telling, I think it was before the Nigeria game, it might have been before the um, France match, um, was the fact that they, the two players who were selected for that pre-game press conference the day before were Paolo Dybala and Federico Fascio, mm-hmm. who obviously Fascio uh, came on. So it was... Yeah, no, I think it was before the Nigeria game. You know, Fascio hadn't played a single minute mm-hmm. um, at that point. And Dybala had just had that sort of 15-minute cameo during ten, which he was pretty crap against Croatia. Um, That's when he uh, Fascio made a joke with the he had some injury in his eye, saying that what it was Pavon because it was the history this, this story about Pavon yes. punching Maturano. Mm. Yes, I remember. Um, yeah, it, 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 that seemed a bit of a weird decision mm. as well. Um, I know Pavon did I think a few it, interviews as well, like the kind of these junior players being, and, being and pushed around. And if Messi was protected from it, then it kind of feeds into something that I do think as well has been a problem for Sam Fowley, which is that he, is, he, he has been too obviously and too fervently a Messi fan. I mean, it, yeah. on the one hand, that sounds ridiculous because, you know, who of us, particularly talking on this podcast and, and listening to this podcast, <laughs> is not a Messi fan? Um, and obviously you don't expect the, the manager to come in and go, OK, this guy's crap, we're not going to play him. Or we're going to stick him on the bench and send him off for the last 10 minutes as a super sub. I'm not talking about that as the solution. Um, but he, he, he became so obsessed with this idea of if we can get the best out of, of Lionel, everything will be okay. That He kind of forgot about the other 10 I, players. I, exactly. <laughs> I, I think, A, that can't be great for the confidence of the other team members who were mm. aware that they're not going to have as good a World Cup anyway as, as four years ago and, um, and all the rest of it. Yeah. And B, it just it, it distorted the the tactical setup, the balance of the team so severely. The uh, we can't speak about group dynamics, obviously, because we haven't been in and around um, the the group and the hotel and whatnot during the, the the tournament. But I can't imagine that it's helped very much. No, completely. And I also can't imagine saying the Uruguay team, Luis Suarez being treated to the extent with mm. such kick gloves or perhaps perhaps even Ronaldo in Portugal like what happened with Messi it, it did go uh, far beyond the usual you know taking care of your star player it was almost as if Messi had been uh, elevated to the status of a of a co-manager not uh, not just uh, the captain yeah and a job which he doesn't particularly want no I can't well. imagine he does but, um, uh, saw, we yeah. saw in this World Cup he was playing under uh, hideous pressure and, and it showed I think he had a World Cup which we must admit was was far below all our expectations along yeah, with but, the rest of the Argentina team and the other you know c- coupled as well with, with the way that Portugal went out it, it sort of underlines the fact that it's team sport mm-hmm. however good the individual is however much you think that Maradona won it single handed <laughs> in 86 it's not the case. A, he didn't. And B, international football was a lower level then. It was less competitive than it is now. How yeah. much do you think that Garincha won the, the 58, sorry, 62, 62 World Cup single-handed? 
Um, it was obviously a key figure in that. Without having watched any of the games all mm-hmm. the way through, <laughs> I've only seen the highlights that are available. Um, you know, I, I'm, I'm reasonably confident that he, he didn't do that either. No. Because there are 22 players on the pitch. Um, and, and, and so I guess we're sort of segueing into talking about Messi and, and what was a disappointing World Cup um, for him on an individual level as well as Argentina as a team. Um, but His last World Cup? I mean, realistically, probably. If yes. the next one's in four and a half years... Yeah. If the next one's in four and a half years, <laughs> if it is in Quata, and that decision is going to have to be made yes, quite re- soon, you would think, because the qualifying draw is going to be made. Regardless soon. of his teammates and what his teammates do, uh, for him to be comfortable or, or whatever, he he's now at this point with 31 years that he turned to 31 in the middle of the World Cup. Just last week, no? Yes. Um, he's now uh, he he can't. Uh, make his uh, level or his cap, um, skills be 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 shown with clearly with clearly or clearly sorry mm. uh, i mean of course that some years ago he was uh, with this uh, uh, perhaps uh, more agility and, and and could be able to uh, show that he was the best with of course more clearly than than now and I think that for 2022, it will be even harder for him to mark this and to say, well, I am the best and I, I can win matches by my own. And the, even when, when now it's not possible. I think, I don't reckon the problem is so much about performance. I think even at 35, Messi is going to be a fantastic player. And as long as, you know, touch wood, nothing happens to his fitness or his physical ability. The real problem I see is that he just won't want to do it again. I mean, he's got three young yeah. kids, there's family in Spain. Why the hell is he, he going to want to come back every three months to Argentina? He seemed to be suffering from an enormous amount of stress yeah. uh, during I think these matches. I, I mean, I suspect that by the time he's 35, he's going to be playing in Argentina again. Possibly, uh, yeah. In fact. yeah. But yeah, I mean, I, I know what you mean. Why would he want to put himself yeah. through it? I, if, if I were Messi, I'd be thinking, let's have one go at the Copa America next year in Brazil. Mm, and, I see it on. I see it, it, um, if we win that, then at least he can go on on some kind of a high, even if it's not the high that everybody has been hoping for. At least you get to end Argentina's trophy drought um, yeah. and 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 go out after that rather than rather than than this, which is sort of going out with a bit of a whimper yeah. at the moment. I see the opposite happening. Happening to be honest, I think that uh, a year out at least for Messi and in international football is inevitable. He hasn't said anything yet, but. Uh, I can imagine oh, sorry, no, I was, I was some if, sort of, if yeah. I were in his position I'm not saying that's how I necessarily no, think no, he's going to yeah. so I'd see uh, at least a one year break coming I think that Argentina need and probably should prepare for the Copa America with a whole new team and mm-hmm. without Messi I think that would be a positive step forward um, for national for the national team's football because it means they'll have to actually think of a way to win games without Messi uh, they'll take hopefully they'll take a team stocked predominantly of players 25 years old or under to to Brazil and and have a good show and they can take the core of that team into the qualifiers and then who's to say we get to 2020 2021 Messi still doing all right perhaps he gets bitten by the bug and and he has to be included again whether we let him in or not I'll leave that up to 
the future Argentina coach, whoever you are. But that seems the more the more likely option for me right mm. now. Yes, first uh, there will be a team, real team, which is the same story all the, all the time that Argentina fails or, or uh, loses. That uh, there is this phrase of Argentina must be refounded. Uh, I'm talking about the football of Argentina and the national team and a lot of things that and processes and projects that will never be be uh, finally taken or, or started because it's all, all the time is the same and now are, there is this Sampaoli thing of uh, they have AFA trying for uh, he, for him to to resign not paying him anything or at least much more less money than it was stated in the contract yeah. and it's all all the the same something new but at the same time it's old because new AFA but with all the, Uh, the old uh, ways of, of, of doing things, so I don't I don't think that there will be a team in which Messi could say, well I go I will go to play there because I I will feel like I am one a great player but in the middle of a team, not myself trying to save the other ten players. Mm. That will won't happen. I I am pretty sure, and that's the main problem I think because now he has 31 years and of course when Qatar comes he will be 35 and it will be even harder, as I said, for him to be an individual player taking difference for the team. So it's really, really hard to, to say now. Absolutely. Um, I think that's a good note to end the first half on, not least because we've all run out of drink in our glasses, so I'm going to refill them. And when we come back, we will talk a little bit more at you, and then we will answer some of your questions. So don't go away. Should we do a, a minute silence like TC since we haven't done that yet? No, let's not do that because that, <laughs> that's, that's rather pathetic. It was uh, in so many ways. Um, but yeah, no, no, we, we, we could just jump in with Lister's questions. We've got a few of them, right? We have quite a few. Yes. Uh, no doubt we've already touched on some of them during the first half of the podcast. Oh, I'll say one thing before we start them. Uh, it's another reminder, as I said, towards the start of the first half um, that you can support us on Patreon if you want to that we're very grateful indeed uh, to those of you who already are doing they're up to about I think 26 or 27 of you now um, that uh, enables us to pay for drinks <laughs> while we record and it enables me to pay uh, Dan and Andres for being here this evening for example um, and anybody else who comes on the other episodes as well we are seriously massively grateful to everybody who is already signed up we hope that you're enjoying the little extra episodes that we're giving you as a result of it on Patreon. Um, and we hope that you'll continue to do so. And particularly if you've signed up during this World Cup, welcome to Hand the Pod and welcome, welcome to the, the, the Patreon club. We'll have Copa Libertadores right at the beginning of August, so there's plenty to look forward to. Absolutely, yeah. Uh, that was what I was going to say. I was, I was going to give people the, the, the plan that we have now 
Uh, no, I'm happy idea... to help, Sam, as you know, always happy yes, to help. Thank you, and it's all coming back now. Um, thank you, Dan. The idea that I had was um, that we were going to record basically during the World Cup until Argentina were out, which is what we're doing, or until Argentina's World Cup campaign was over, because of course uh, we're, we're all Argentina fans here. I thought we, we might get another week out of it. But optimistic, yeah, that, that we were going to be still recording for another week or two, possibly, or two. <laughs> um, <laughs> as happened four years ago. Although obviously four years ago we didn't record in between all of Argentina's Are we the problem, Sam? Maybe we are. Maybe. Maybe we've been too enthusiastic about this. Um, yes. But now that Argentina's campaign is over, it strikes me that it would be just probably a bit boring and, and slightly irrelevant to what's going on in world football and what everybody's paying attention to if we recorded <laughs> next week and just talked about a load of stuff that's got nothing to do with the World Cup. Um, and therefore, uh, we're going to take next week off. I'll probably record a, a couple of one or two solo um, Hand of Pod extras to uh, put up on our Patreon page, uh, just with my thoughts about how the World Cup's going, really. It's not going to have an awful lot of Argentine football stuff. And then in two weeks' time, we will come back with Hand of Pod 303, and we will sort of refocus on the domestic league, um, which presumably <laughs> is going to be in the planning stages by then, because it's kicking off in just over a month's time. Do we know um, anything about this? We, don't know the, we still don't know the fixture <laughs> list, and we still don't know the format right. yet. But, we but do apart know, from that, we're sure. We do know that it is kicking off on the weekend of the 10th of August, which is in, like, what, five weeks' time? Uh, yes, one, two, three, four, five, yeah. 37 days. Yeah, five, five weeks, uh, five and a half weeks from now. Um, so we will come back in two weeks' time and we'll basically take you through the transfer window. Um, if nothing else, Andres is uh, his hand up, wants y- to say something. Yes, I, I got you, Sam. I know that you want to celebrate and, and be drunk on, on the English campaign because Argentina campaign is over, but English not. It's not over. I, I am shocked to... Uh, to say that, yeah, it's it's remarkable. So the, if if England, which if, I if you think it will be like that, beats Sweden, they will have to play next week, perhaps. I'm, against... re- I'm reasonably confident that England um, can find a way of fucking it up against Sweden. <laughs> then <laughs> then it's Croatia or or Russia. I against mean, Croatia it's, or it's Russia. I think I, the they, best. Basically, I, I think England versus um, England versus uh, Sweden is is pretty much going to be a competition to see who gets. Their ass is handed to them by Croatia in the semi-final. I think that's the most likely um, situation. Or, alternatively, um, gets put out on penalties by a juiced-up Russia in the semi-final. But we'll see. We will see. I, I'm not particularly optimistic. I'm just enjoying the ride as an England fan at the moment. Um, anyway, we will move on to some questions. We have some comments in... I think, I think it's Swedish... Or, or Dutch, it might be Dutch. It's a little bit Dutch. Somebody yeah. recommended us, uh, recommended us in a. I, I think it was a recommendation. I'm not sure. Maybe they were insulting us. You can translate. I retweeted it anyway. Yeah. Um, oh, so I can. Let, let's let's see what what this one says. Yep, that's got nothing at all to do with us. Uh, it's just a conversation going on in our mentions, which is in Dutch. In reply to a tweet that I did retweet without translating. Um, so if it was an insult, then. <laughs> Thanks. Fuck you. And if it wasn't, then thank you very much, gentlemen um, and ladies for uh, of, of the Netherlands and wherever else for um, for recommending us. If that is indeed what you've done. Um, starting off, then Stephen Hooley messaged us or tweeted us on Friday, 29th. That was Friday, wasn't it? Yeah. Saying, do you know when the Superliga fixtures are released? No, no, we don't. Hopefully, sometime in the next five and a half weeks. 
but I wouldn't guarantee it because this is the AFA. Well, on we the other hand, they have tended to be a little bit more organised than, than in the past. So almost definitely at some point in the next few weeks. But you know, we don't know that. But we do know that Racing River for a couple of years will play that week uh, in the middle of the week in which the the, the Superliga begins. So on yes. August yeah. 8th. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. So uh, I I assume that will be a, a, a postponed a, a match. Uh, or the matches of River and Racing postponed, perhaps. Or yeah, or possibly play, both of them play. playing on the Monday or something. Yes, but, yeah, that's, it's, uh, that's about all we know so far. Uh, Matthias Silberstein said on the 30th of June, the day of Argentina versus France, question for the next pod. So many things went wrong in this World Cup for Argentina, but one of the more puzzling for me was this infatuation with Maximiliano Mesa. I don't see it. Why did he get so many minutes? Because for some reason he picked him ahead of Ricky Centurion and he had to justify that dreadful aberration of a decision. Um, to <laughs> answer a little bit more seriously, perhaps, I think uh, Mess is a guy, he, I said it, I believe, before the World Cup. I don't know if I said it to Hanna Pod or just in, in general musings. He's a guy that might not have the same explosion as uh, Centurion, but he was seen as... a. Uh, as a decent all-round uh, wide midfielder who could fill in gaps uh, across uh, across the middle of the park. Can play centrally as well. Exactly, uh, a guy who's a good runner, pretty decent passer, and yeah, a guy who could who could do a job as kind of this utility player. I, I, think. I, I think regarding Mesa, one of the things that I found confusing, one of the things that a lot of people have remarked on during this World Cup campaign, is the fact that Enzo Perez was on a beach just outside Rio de Janeiro um, 10 days before the tournament kicked off, got called up as a result of Manuel Lanzini's injury and then ended up starting most of the games. Um, I was kind of surprised, given that Perez had been the sort of... Well, I guess if we include Guzman coming in for Romero, then Perez was the 25th choice in this 23-man squad. Um, that uh, that Mesa didn't get that sort of nod, but given that, as I just said, he can play centrally. He he played centrally for Gimnasia and did well enough to earn that mm. that move to Independiente, and he fills in centrally occasionally for Independiente. Obviously, plays more uh, in the line of three than in the line of two in that four-two-three-one. Well, um, one thing we did point out yeah, before yeah. the tournament started, when the squads first came out, is that the the original twenty-three that San Paoli picked looked ridiculously anemic in the middle of the pitch mm. uh, with. Only Bilia and Machirano as the as the sole defensive midfielders in that group. Obviously, mm. Bilia pretty much played himself out of contention after the um, the Croatia debacle, uh, leaving by default. Yeah, well, Machirano, as we said, yeah, I mentioned yeah. it before, uh, leaving Enzo Perez as by default as the only guy left to play there. Uh, I don't know exactly what would have happened in. A parallel universe if that where Manuel Lanzini didn't tear his ligaments and went to the World Cup mm. uh, it would have been very interesting to see only Machirano and Biglia as the options in that area indeed yeah. and about Biglia he along with Machirano has resigned to the national team I think definitely yes we should have mentioned that shouldn't yeah. we yeah, those, those two have, have resigned Sergio Aguero has said that he's not going to no, he, 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 he said he will be available, but uh, he understands that there will be players with, because of the, the, the age yeah. that... Yeah, exactly, yeah. He, he said that if, if he's picked, then, then he'll still be uh, happy to, to play. But uh, about Mesa, I think that uh, he's shown a great form in the, 
uh, friendly against Spain, which he was the only one for mm -hmm. a lot of people that tried to do something different, which yeah. is true, but... But not, then there were a few enough. isolated passages yes. in, in a 6-1 defeat. I mean, how much can you take yes. from that, especially to but he's not push out players who have been very but, solid from the start of the year? This is a kind of that. weird, um, kind of uh, <coughs> incoherent selections that I saw in this team. Yeah, but having, having said that also, I... So I'm going to backtrack a little bit, or not backtrack, I'm, I'm going to make a, an apparently unrelated point first, then I'm going to relate it. Okay. Looking forward to this. I got a bit tired with all of the constant, why isn't he putting Dybala on? Why isn't he putting Dybala on? Why isn't he putting Dybala mm -hmm. on? Throughout the World Cup. Um, because Paolo Dybala is a player, a very, very talented player, um, who has had chances for Argentina, hasn't taken them. In my opinion, as I said a couple of weeks ago, after the Croatia game, when he was a substitute, uh, he seemed to be almost sort of <coughs> unable to escape his own instincts. Mm -hmm. And as a result, became completely ineffectual when he should have been cutting into the middle, playing off Iguain. He kept on playing outside Messi, even when Messi was almost on the touchline. Dybala was on the touchline. Um, and so I, I get a little bit sort of fed up with, with people constantly going, oh, why is, why is Messi on the pitch when Dybala's not? But at the same time, and here's where I related to the question. Why was Mesa on the pitch when Dybala wasn't? I mean, if Dybala had started, and, and if Sampaoli had said, <coughs> pardon me, <coughs> um, or if Dybala had come off the bench for Di Maria or mm -hmm. for Pavon, as Mesa did, I can't remember which, which of them it was he replaced. Pavon, um, I believe. It was Pavon, wasn't it? Yeah, I think. Um, and and Sampaoli had said, look, you, you see what he was doing, now you do that. I mean, he's, he's, if nothing else, he is definitely a higher class replacement than Mesa. And it's not Mesa's fault. In the same way as it's not Willy Caballero's fault that he's not a very good goalkeeper. No. It's not Franco Avani's fault that, that he... He didn't exactly... I mean, he didn't have a bad World Cup, but he didn't have a great one either. He certainly didn't have the World Cup that some River fans were fearing he would have, involving making every, saving every single thing that came at him and winning Argentina the World Cup single-handed and then, as a result, being sold to Europe. I don't think there's much risk of that now. It's none of these players' fault um, themselves. It, it was just strange squad selection and substitutions throughout. And yeah, I mean, I, I kind of agree actually about Mesa. He's a good player. He's, he's a decent player. I like watching him in the Superliga. And as you said earlier, I think that he has a future in the national team in the same way as, as Tagliafico, yeah. um, at left back, has a future in the national team. But this tournament seemed to come at them both very quickly. Um, in Tagliafico's case, obviously, it's six months since he went to Europe. He's still adjusting probably in his personal life, in, in, in his own head. He's adapting to a new culture still, and then he's thrown into this. Um, yeah, I think above all, it was it was just a very strange mix of players. You had hmm. kind of half the team with over 100 caps, the other half of the team with less than 10 caps. Yeah. You had three goalkeepers with a combined age of 100 and a combined cap count of nine. Hmm. Um, and yeah, there was you had a lot of both extremes, inexperience and massive experience, but nothing in the middle. None of these guys who've got 30, 40 caps and can put and are looking to push yeah. on because they're out. Yeah, you had uh, half the team who were finishing and half the team that was sighting. <coughs> it was very unbalanced just from the start. I, I agree uh, that Mesa. Tagliafico, Armani, and I will say Pavon also, they're not to blame. Uh, I think that the problem is for those that think that they are better than they are. 
Yeah. And the, which, which in, is pretty much all of the others. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> with, with one obvious exception. Um, this is a discussion that is from yeah. since a long time ago yeah. in which Argentina was uh, like one of the best teams in the world and, and it will always be like that. And it's not always no, like that. No, football isn't like that. I think with respect to, with, uh, to Dybala, what we can say is that for this next four-year cycle, and especially if Messi, as we've speculated and pondered in the first half, does uh, take a step back, he is a guy who can really take this national team by the scruff of the neck and, and become its star. Uh, not to the same extent as Messi, please, because I want a team rather than a superstar and 10 other players. But he's a guy with the obvious talent where you can say, yeah, this is a guy we, we can work with and we can make something special. Mm. Uh, but to all extents and purposes what we saw with him and Messi together in the national team at least um, with the current coaches just wasn't going to work absolutely Johnny uh, my old friend Johnny old in more than one ways sorry Johnny that's mean uh, I, I think he'll be laughing at it wherever he is uh, says a question for the next podcast how can we support Sam Pauli when he opted to have an ageing and decrepit Mascherano function as both a number five and a semi-engamche, or playmaker, in the World Cup. I've seen people forced to have a lobotomy for less than that. Um, I, I, I'm kind of reaching here, but honestly, I got the impression that Mascherano ended up in the squad, never mind in the starting eleven, because Sampaoli had a look at the options available to him and wasn't really convinced by any of them. Yeah. And, and I've said for some time sort of maybe only in my own head rather than on the podcast, but I've certainly said it to somebody or other, even if it's just the cat, um, that the fact that Javier Mascherano is, was, because now he's retired, obviously, but was starting matches in this World Cup in 2018 for Argentina was far more of a reflection on the state of Argentine football and on, of Argentine midfielders uh, than it was on Javier Mascherano or even on Jorge Sampaoli's judgment. Because in his place, having... OK, he only had a few friendlies and a couple of very, very high-pressure, remember, um, four very, very high-pressure World Cup qualifiers to try people out in. Having called up... Uh, I think Kranovita got, Kranovita got, got called up. Right? Paredes, you know, the, the, the other players that everybody are naming. All of these players got a run-out under Sampaoli yeah. and didn't convince him. So, whilst... I, I've been one of the first people to, to lay into Mascherano in the last few months. If I was in Sampaoli's position and I'd called up those same players and they'd given me the responses that they gave him, I'd have kind of felt like, well, fuck, I've got to go with somebody who at least has the experience and, and of, of being in these situations, if nothing else. Because you can't call up a 19-year-old who's never done it before. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I think the real problem and the prime uh, explanation for why we found this ourselves in this explicit situation was that in August or September of 2014 when Gerardo Martino took his first uh, Argentina training session he didn't sit down on Macherano and say look Javier you've been the star for the national team you had your moment in the sun in Brazil but you're going to play centre back here or mm -hmm. you retire yeah. that was what needed to be done uh, Macherano needed to to yield his place to a, 
to a younger guy, whether it was Cranaviter, whether it was Pizarro, whether it was Banega, whether it was whoever. It didn't matter. Someone had to come in and Machirano had to take a step back. It didn't happen. No one was allowed to claim that place. Uh, Bilia was always there, but as his kind of partner. And, and that was a problem. When the big event came, no one was there. And also, I got the feeling that in the France game, particularly where it was all or nothing, uh, Sampaoli, and in the Nigeria game, Sampaoli weighed up the odds. He would have thought, right, we've got a situation where Pogba, where Mbappe are going to be running straight on my, my midfield. I probably know that while Biglia isn't uh, rapid by any means, he would do better than Machirano. But what happens? I put Machirano in. Uh, he might get completely overrun, but at least he's going to kick a few players, make a few saving tackles, and no one's going to say, ah, why do you put Machirano in? Yeah. By anyone, I mean the yes. massive bulk but, of fans who react to yeah. this kind of thing. Uh, if, if you put in Bilia, and it all went, he would have got Lynch a today. Why did you put Bilia? Yeah. Why was Machirano left on the bench? It would have been the better tactical decision, but uh, he can do it. Like you, Once he backed himself into this corner... He had to carry on with it. I think that even at his age, uh, Machirano didn't play overall a, a, a bad World Cup. Of course, Andres, he had an awful World Cup. Well, I he think was, he didn't. It was terrible. I As think. I said a week or two ago, <laughs> I think he didn't. But interesting that different people can can look at the same performance yeah. and take very different things from it. Andres, I, I don't say Machirano no, was the best, the best uh, yeah. player in the in Argentina, and he deserves to continue. No, I don't say that. I say that. Provided his age and what and his previous uh, performances, he, he wasn't so bad. But I think that even Biglia, Macherano, Banega, and uh, and um, sorry, uh, Biglia, Macherano, or Banega, none of them will will stop Mbappe running with the ball. Perhaps uh, Ascasiva would because he's younger. And he has perhaps more more speed than right. all of them. No, but the yeah, idea is, yeah. is precisely the kind of player I was talking about when I said you can't just chuck a 19-year-old in, in, yes. in, in, into a World Cup. Okay, Askasiba's 20, isn't he, or 21? Mm -hmm. But um, you know, it, it's it, I, if I'd been in San Paoli's position, I would have thought at least Javier's got the big game know-how and the, the name recognition and everything else, and, and, and he knows how to perform under that pressure. And you're not just throwing in somebody who you don't know what you're going to get. Um, even if what Mascherano gave was turned out to, to not be enough. Yeah. No, but the thing is, like, obviously no one man-to-man uh, -man is going to be able to mark Mbappé. But you're going to see on Friday, I'm probably burying myself as I speak, <laughs> that Uruguayan don't either have a centre midfielder who can live with Mbappé's pace. They have Bentangur and uh, Torreira. They're not the quickest guys at all. Nandes. But you'll see they... They have decent football brains and what they'll do is make sure the ball doesn't come to him. They'll mark the zones, they'll cut up the space and As frequently, limit. Yeah. frequently happened to Argentina, whose opponents didn't really bother to man-mark Messi in this, no. this World Cup. They just tried to make sure that Messi didn't get the ball. Yeah, I mean, this idea that you need a, a bruiser to come in, run someone down and send him into the stands with, uh, with a karate kick is, is out of date. And that's 2010. Yeah, and that's sadly what Machirano is represented when even Uruguay, who are a team that have held on to their dinosaurs for longer than most, 
have realised. Um, that's not what being a, a number five in defensive midfielder is about anymore. Absolutely. Uh, Biting Flea says a question uh, for episode 302 of Hand of Pod. Hi, Sam et al. Hello, Biting Flea. Sorry to take the attention away from the World Cup, but are there any transfer newses in the Argentine domestic league? There is. To which the main answer is, uh, ask us again in two weeks, because that's what we'll be focusing on in two weeks' time. But we will give you one, at least. Right. Well, no, actually, we can give you two. Lautaro Martinez has signed officially for Inter today, so he's not going to be playing another six months for Racing. <laughs> um, obviously, we knew he was going to be going to Inter anyway, but, but they've, they've announced him today mm-hmm. um, and the other big one which is dominating the not media quite league. confirmed yet right it's there but it's not he hasn't signed on the dotted line I, it's an open truth let's say it, it, it's there enough that I think it would be pretty fucking funny if he yeah. didn't sign now <laughs> um, is that Maro Sarate has gone back on his word to sign for Vélez and is going, going to be or has signed for Boca um, which we have had a couple of other questions yeah. about. Completely um, out of character, right, for Zarate to chase the money. Yeah, it, it, it's shocking. Uh, it, it's quite upset some Belles fans, which Ooh. you might be surprised about, or maybe not. Um, and, yeah, and it's, I, I find it an interesting move, actually, from Bocca's point of view as well, because it kind of suggests to me, given the similar style of play, um, that maybe they've realised Carlos Tevez isn't all that... Cut up yeah. for Superliga football anymore. Either that or Angelici just wants to buy every single decent player in Superliga that he can. Absolutely. So his opponents don't have them. As we will talk to you about or at you about in a couple of weeks' time, Boca are putting together something of a dream team, as Andres mentioned just before we started recording. Um, Leo, but for that, listen to Handapod 303 in a couple of weeks. Leo Russomano says. Now that Mascherano and Biglia have retired, can we all agree that Cranevita should be given a shot at the number five for Copa, uh, Copa Libertadores, Copa America 2019? Like a serious shot, not just one friendly and that's it. He's definitely going to be in the running, right? Yeah, um, I mean, there's a long few players term, there. Long term and medium term listeners with good memories of Hand of Pod will remember, of course, that uh, as River sympathisers, Andres and I. Massive fans of Cranavita. And me too. Um, I must exactly. Yeah, and, and you know we're, we're not the only ones. There are there are some non-River fan uh, uh, pod panelists who are big fans of Cranavita as well. But I have to say that when he's played for Argentina, I've, I've kind of felt like he's not really hit the same level that he did for River. Obviously, I have no idea at the moment whether he should be or not because I haven't watched him for Zenit. No, I mean, like, I've seen maybe one or two of their Europa League games last year, last season, and I can't even remember whether he was playing in them. Yeah. So no, I can't really answer the question, to be honest. But he's one of these guys who's going to be in the running. I'm, I'm sure he will get uh, playing time in this year of friendlies and, and warm-up matches we have between the World Cup and the Copa America, <laughs> along with Acasivar, as we've mentioned, Leo Paredes, Lo Celso, of course, who was in the World Cup without playing a single minute. Um, and a few other guys, I'm sure, will make, will make a, a claim for the place. It's definitely one of the areas where Argentina need, need rejuvenation and they have a few players who can provide it. Yeah, they, um, they have some potential. They, they need somebody to, to step up. Yeah. The thing that does worry me now for the, for the transition, because this is kind of, in a way, what Leo's question is about, even if he wasn't getting at it directly, is that with Mascherano and Biglia gone... The wise old head in the squad is now Eva Banega, who is neither wise in, nor in, old. In really. footballing terms, I suppose he's quite old, but yeah. he's certainly not very wise. Um, 
six seasons and a movie says mm. who, who's uh, at is just a load of uh, numbers so I hope yeah. this isn't a bot if it is a bot then it, it, it's, it's a very, very intelligent uh, articulate one yeah. Um, he says, assuming that's a joke, by the way, please don't be offended. Six seasons of the movie. He says, assuming Sam Pauli stays on, is it possible for him to regain the respect and trust of the players, or will they view him as a guy out of his depth who panics when under pressure? Assuming he stays on, which is a big leap of faith at the moment, I would say you're looking at a scenario that when this team gets back together in, let's say, September or October 2018. Uh, Possibly 18 or 19 of the squad will be new faces mm. because they have to renew almost across the board, I think. We should, by the way, get, get a fair indicator of this in a couple of weeks' time because um, I think it's in August, early August or very late July. Um, there is a, a youth tournament in France. Obviously, mm-hmm. it's not a too long tournament because that was played a few weeks ago um, in which Argentina has signed up to play and if they do go, then that's going to be a fair indicator that Sao Paulo yeah. remains in charge because Argent- uh, Sao Paulo, of course, has, has um, contractually... We were talking, actually, a couple of weeks ago, weren't we, about how Roberto Arsial is in charge of the under-15s and under-17s. Turns out that he's got nothing to do with Sao Paulo, okay. but that Sao Paulo and Beca Cese... No, sorry, yeah, not, not Roberto Arsial. Um, but it turns out that Sao Paulo and Beca Cese have contractually... The, the, the main national team do have the remit for the under-20s and the under-23s mm-hmm. who are going to be the side, probably, who play in this youth tournament. So if they go, then that's a good um, indication that, that San Paolo is staying in charge for now. One more caveat there, pointing out, if, if I can say. If the AFA sacks San Paolo right now, mm-hmm. I'll let you talk in a second, Dan. Yes. If the AFA sacks San Paolo right now, then including the payouts to him and his other coaching staff, such as Sebastian Bacacese and others, they would have to pay $16 million dollars Whereas if they sack him in a year's time after the Copper 2019, that fee goes down to something like $3 million. That's so what I was going to say. Yeah, Edge. Oh, okay. Yes. yes. The Copper America. Great minds think alike. Gives them the option. I think both team, both parties have the option to, yeah. to get out of the Although Sebastian Mecasese has apparently had contract offers at the moment and is considering managerial offers uh, from a couple of unnamed Mexican clubs and from Defensa y Justicia, who of course he was working for before San Paolo took the Argentina job and he took over. I thought that might have been L'Oreal, to be honest. Yeah, or L'Oreal. No, that, that could also have been his. his I don't know if he's still worth it, but he's still worth it. But right now he's the. Supposedly he's the coach of the under 20 national team. Yes. Hmm. But yes, we don't we know still whether San Paolo will stay, whether he will stay. Apart from, apart from that, there are rumors, well, not rumors. Sampoli and Becacese had didn't have a very good relationship, and now perhaps yeah. they, they they may uh, want to, to split up. Absolutely, definitely. Yeah. Hence, Becacese uh, considering these contracts offers. Uh, but I've just realised we haven't really answered six seasons in a movie's question, have we? <laughs> Will the players view him as somebody who's out of his depth and who panics when under pressure? I wouldn't blame them. No, but as I no, began I to say, the players ones. will be different. Anyway, exactly, yeah. anyway, if somebody stays, there will be a different. Uh, I think it will be different in the terms of authority because he will have a, he will have four years time to now really build a team yeah. that is better for him because of course uh, he didn't have that possibility apart from his mistakes. So uh, no, this team wasn't his team. The team that comes from. August, September onwards will be his team. Yeah, exactly. Assuming he stays. Assuming he stays. Douglas 
Cueva says, what will it take for Argentina to develop defensive players and better goalkeepers? It would help oh. at the start if European clubs wanted to take a lot of Argentine defensive players and goalkeepers. Well, because that, it's a buyer's market and I mean, on they the tend hand, to want yes. Argentine attackers. But on the other hand, European clubs in the past, you know, bloody loved Argentine playmakers. Mm-hmm. And yet Argentina don't have any playmakers now either. So it's not as if Argentine clubs are producing what European no. buyers are coming in for. But then there's not that many playmakers about in anyway, world football as a whole, really. It's which makes almost them more, an more valuable. It's almost I mean, an obsolete position. I, I, I said on Twitter yesterday after England beat Colombia, or, or rather after England drew with Colombia and then put them out on penalties, that... It, it, I, I feel much more optimistic about England's chances for the whole tournament if we were now allowed to loan uh, Fernando Quintero for the rest of the championship. <laughs> or James Rodriguez, but obviously I, I'd rather have Quintero because he's fit and yes. James is injured. Um, but you know, like, I, I, I feel that that's the player for me who England are missing. Mm-hmm. Um, somebody who, who, who's just got that little bit of extra invention because England bizarrely and, and for the first time in pretty much as long as I can remember are actually doing the basics right now um, right down to practising penalties this yeah. is a bizarre new world that we're going into but also Quintero equally is precisely the kind of player Argentina were missing yeah well uh, we've seen arguably we've until it. the introduction of Banega but remember. even then even then Banega was the only option they had and probably the only option they had even if San Paolo had included all the players who we mentioned earlier for central midfields. There's no yeah. really creative, there's no Riquelme figure in this No, I think team. what's really hurt Argentina and over the last there are no Centurion. decade is... Yeah. Um, it's Centurion and, and if he still, like, it happened, yeah. even when he won't be, perhaps be, have been called up, there's he, it's him as a creative player, even independently of playing the position yeah. of, of midfielder or, or wing. But even then, if, you, if, you, yeah. if you're and talking about Ricardo Centurion as the great hope of Argentine creative midfielders I think that, that's quite a dip when yeah. uh, for me Lionel Messi and, and his Argentina career is, is going to be in, in many ways obviously one of the sort of sadder things to have happened in, in Argentine football history really the fact that such a great undisputably in my opinion great player um, could have been so hampered by the people he had to play with not because not all of the players were brilliant or anything but because his best performances for Argentina came when Riquelme was in the team with him yeah in the 2007 was it Copa America and the 2008 you know, Olympics when he was 20 yeah yes Riquelme that, that, that was the peak because he had somebody giving him the ball high yeah. up the pitch on a regular basis in inventive ways that the opponents <laughs> weren't expecting um, it was Pastore Sam Pastore was the guy, but he never came through. Yeah, Argentina now have, have, have nobody to do that. You're quite right. Pastore didn't step up to the plate. Perhaps Lo Celso in the future? Maybe Lo Celso in the future, but as, as we mentioned earlier, Messi's 31 now. He's going to be 35. I'm not saying for Messi, but for someone in the Argentina and group so, to take advantage of. And, and so to simply say, well, if, if the European clubs wanted Argentine defenders and, and goalkeepers, I think it's a little bit simplistic because... It is, of course, yeah. If, if Argentina were producing playmakers, they'd be selling yeah. them for $50 million now to, to Europe, and yeah. yet they're not doing that either. No. So I, I think that there's something that has to change to develop defensive players and, and goalkeepers. There needs to be a, a change of mentality here as well, or... or yeah. a coincidence but, in, in a generation but there are the problem is that they, they got injured just uh, 
before the World Cup, like Mamana and Funes Mori, well, yeah. Funes Mori had... had uh, Funes Mori is not... You know. Well, but he, he was injured and we couldn't see whether he was up to the World Cup or not. Mm -hmm. uh, he returned to the field. I, I do agree he would have been a huge improvement on what Argentina actually... Then Pesela wasn't called because uh, Sampoli didn't want him to be there. And, well, the Garay thing that we have already discussed. Mm. But there are players. The problem is that... Uh, this thing that put the player and not quitting him like well Otamendi was not bad Facio and Rojo were, were, were not very good <laughs> and then you don't have any more options because he didn't want to, to call any other centre-backs yeah. simple like that you, you had Maman uh, Pepe Sela but he won't save uh, an entire defence of course no exactly I say that there are there are players goalkeepers I think Argentina a little bit better well off, yeah. off the promising goalkeepers but you know the, the rest of it hopefully we've, we've answered your question at some point in that Douglas uh, Leo Rossomano again says what do you make of Ruggeri's suggestion to ask Messi to take some time off while new or existing God forbid manager builds the team for the Copa 2019 this was Dan's kind of Edward's suggestion yeah. not Ruggeri's I, 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 I'd be on board with that as well yeah. as Dan outlined it earlier as a way to build from the ground up and make the team mess, less Messi dependent yep We've sort of answered that one already. Um, Prismek Sobstel, I hope I've said that more or less correctly, <laughs> says, is it really that bad regarding the youth system? There still seems to be a lot of talent coming around. The talent's always going to come through. This is a country that lives and breathes football. Everyone wants to be Messi. Everyone wants to be Batistuta. The players do come. Um, where I would say things start going wrong, to say like that, is at that age... 1920-21 because I think it was Sergio Batista that first said it possibly even before he became Argentina coach back in 2011 there's a tendency once these players do come through to uh, to use kind of a, a butcher a butcher analogy to fatten them up to get the muscle on the bone and get them ready for market get them ready for Europe as quick yeah. as possible Why? and then as an obvious consequence Uh, reject uh, not reject but uh, neglect the technical side um, a little these are obviously guys who if they got to that stage they have fantastic technical skills uh, because that's pretty much what's in the Argentine blood but it's something that does get put to one side in favour of piling on muscle once they get to that uh, sellable age uh, Which is almost um, inevitable because I, I think as well the teams though, have so little money and they need to sell these players to to get on. I think as well though that the, the, to to a certain extent, what you say about the technique um, is, is maybe sort of ten years in the past almost. I, I have a, a mate. Well, I say I've, I've got to know fairly yeah. recently because he, he moved here about six or seven months ago. And he's sort of been round at my house to watch a few Super League games yeah. from time to time. Um, and, well, he gets incredibly uh, exercised every time somebody has a, a poor first touch or something. He's like, you know, the, the technique is shit here. I was expecting Argentine, Argentine players to have, to have much better uh, touch and everything. And at first I kind of pushed against it. And, and then I started realising, actually, you know, he's kind of right. I mean, it, it's not... There are quite a few. If you watch, for example, I think one of the games he was there for was San Lorenzo against Olimpo or somebody. And uh, okay, obviously in Olimpo, you think, yeah, fair enough. But he was talking about San Lorenzo mm -hmm. players 
and, and pointing out that, that that was actually a fairly handy pass and the guy's just let it go into touch because he's miscontrolled it mm-hmm. constantly throughout mm-hmm. the game um, and so I, I think that technique has sort of suffered I, I remember talking to um, Argentines who were one or two who were sort of on the periphery of, of some lower division clubs uh, training sessions and, and, and uh, sorry training uh, systems and stuff in, in the past in, in years gone by and then bemoaning oh well the technique now isn't as good as it was in my day and me mm-hmm. thinking you know, as an English person sort of five years ago or before I moved here even when I came down here on, on, on holiday ten years ago uh, and thinking wow really I, mm-hmm. that's the kind of attitude I, I would love English coaches to, to be able to take um, if, you, if you think the technique here is bad and yet I can now sort of understand where they were going because it, it is dropping off little by little I think yeah I mean obviously if you take the average Superliga game we're talking about two different phenomena because course, yeah. the vast majority of the players even uh, lining up for San Lorenzo are guys who never quite made it and mm. there's a reason why they didn't make it in the, at the top level which is Europe they're not good enough yeah. the issue yeah it leads into the same um, the same problem because you've got guys like Lautaro like Ángel Correa any 20 19 year old guy that comes up through the ranks obviously their technique is raw they can do fantastic things with the ball yeah. but if they're playing you know at youth levels it's because they've got time and space to do that what? And, and it never quite gets honed exactly because, because go, right let's get you physically sorted exactly exactly yeah. the technique needs to be honed when you've got five hairy defenders bearing down on you and an elbow coming out of your head. And that's what's being neglected. These guys that show the talent that they can go further, but they're sent off to Europe with, the, with what they basically learnt when they were playing Papi football, the futsal, yeah. uh, in terms of technique. That's really what needs to be targeted by coaches from this key time, you know, 16, 17 up to... Ideally, they move when they were 22, 23 and get that full footballing education. But if not up to 20, that just technique, technique, technique and let the physical stuff come later. Mm. Uh, Prismek, again, I hope I'm saying that correctly, um, also says, does the AFA situation really affect the trophy drought or is Argentina simply unlucky? There have been two finals lost on penalties, three if we include the 2007 Copa America. And in the 2014 World Cup, where we had a decent defence and magnificent Mascherano filling all the gaps, but most of the attacking formation was out of shape. My answer to this, because I saw this question a few hours ago, so I've had a bit of time to think about it, um, was yes, of course the AFA situation affects it. I mean, Argentina haven't won anything at the top level since 1993. The closest, really, that they came was that 2007 Copa America final, possibly the 2004 Copa America as well, when they demolished everybody on the way to the final and then got taken to pieces by Brazil in the final um, you know all, all of which was happening under the auspices of Jose Peckerman first of all as, as the youth team um, boss and then as the, the full national team boss and when he left the national team job after the 2006 World Cup the youth team system got dismantled and got handed to Julio Grandona's son Humberto um, and then after that to the generation of 1986. Maradona taking over the manager's job for 2010 and Sergio Batista getting the under-20 job and then obviously being promoted to the main manager's job after Maradona um, quit, was sacked, was pushed, was, you know, who cares? Something. Left, was not the manager anymore. 
Um, when you have that, that level of mismanagement, no, it's not just bad luck. I mean, yeah, okay, Argentina reached three Copa America finals in four attempts because the 2011 in Argentina they didn't do. Um, but on the other hand, you know, so what? It's Argentina at the Copa America. Historically, the final is sort of the least that Argentina aimed for in the Copa America. It yeah, particularly thinking that in 2004, 2007, Brazil sent reserve teams and they still yeah. comfortably beat the best Argentina had to offer. Exactly. Um, and, and so, I mean, the, the top-down management, you, you saw it in this World Cup, just gone, you saw it with Spain, where they, had, they were obliged, thanks to one of their clubs, admittedly, to, to change manager the day before the, the <laughs> tournament. And surprise, surprise, that didn't go well for them. You see it with Germany, who installed a system 15 years or so ago after the disastrous Euro campaign in, was it 2000? Yeah, it was, wasn't it? Possibly, it was yes. The same year that England was shit as well. Um, they were in the same group together, weren't they? Mm. Um, who, who, after that European Championship, put in a new um, system with the national team at the top of it and said, we're not going to go through this embarrassment again. And sure enough, they've now had you know, 18 years of, of going back to being Germany. And this year, obviously, was a tremendous embarrassment for them. But that's because it, allowed, it was allowed to get stagnant. Um, you see it with England, the reverse. Mm-hmm. In that, what I was just saying about the, the declining technique of Argentine players is, is, is being reversed in England because people are actually paying attention to youth development for a change. Okay, we still lack that creator, but we, 10 years ago, England lacked so many other players that it was terrifying. <laughs> Any defenders at all who were worth their money, a central midfielder, one single central midfielder who could actually do the job in a disciplined manner and do what his manager asked him to. A decent forward, anybody left-footed beyond the left-back position. Um, okay, we, we, we feel that a left-footed goalkeeper and no left-footed outfield players in the starting lineup yesterday, but that, that's besides the point. <laughs> My point is, English youth development has improved enormously because of a top-down reorganisation. So to say that, oh, does the AFA situation affect Argentina's current trophy? You're right. Yes, it absolutely does. And, and that's yeah. obvious yeah. if you look through any um, setup in, in national team or in club football, I think. And if you just look in the immediate short term, because obviously there are certain organisational problems that make themselves felt over time and others that are felt more immediately <laughs> hmm. from the World Cup final in 2014 to going out against France in 2018 Argentina had four different AFA presidents and four different coaches Uh, that says it all really Mm. yes I'm I'm afraid I hope this doesn't happen but I'm afraid that the thing you have already said uh, continues like this uh, because the, the 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 members of the board of the AFA, the, the directors, uh, have the idea of just quitting a, a, a manager and putting another one, replacing him, but in the, in the middle there are a lot of structures that aren't managed. And uh, this organization of, well, put a manager, the manager calls the players, and he puts the players like you put meat in a barbecue. Yeah. And, and this is it. And, and well, of course, the results, if you do all, there is a, a said, a, a, like a, a, an expression that if you do always the same, the, the results will be also the same. Absolutely. As, as, as Dan uh, put it to somebody last week on, on Twitter, um, 
it's if if Sampaoli ends up staying, it will kind of be the the correct decision for the wrong reasons. Mm. Because if he ends up staying, just because the Apple can't really afford to sack him, um, in the medium to long term, he's probably the best person, certainly the best place person, and of the ones that Argentina could afford, if not if only because they're already employing him, um, the best person to uh, to create this change in the youth systems. Um, Stephen Hooley says, was Sampaoli's biggest error not choosing a system to suit the players that he had and then getting them used to it? I don't see that he had too much quality behind the attack to choose from, but changing it every game didn't seem sensible during a tournament. That would be great, but yeah, the problem was he didn't know which system that would be. Again, but that, that's yeah. precisely what Stephen's saying. That, that's his mistake, isn't it? That he didn't know which system it would be. You know, it's make it completely his mistake. Yeah. Should defenders to three to four. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yes. But the problem is, I don't think if I reckon yeah, if he had that system in his head, he would have used it. But with mm. such player turnover, with such indecision, such poor organisation and preparation, but, he never knew what his best 11 was let alone his best tactic even then as I, as I said earlier he, he gave that press conference after the Nigeria game in which he explained for two or three minutes why yeah. Lionel Messi had played better just off the shoulder of Gonzalo Higuain when he was able to pull out to the right and then in the very next game he takes the centre forward away and puts Messi out there as a false nine mm. so I, I, I agree with, with Stephen's point actually yeah. I mean I don't know whether it was his biggest error but it was certainly a pretty big one Stephen also said one of the Super League fixtures announced as somebody did earlier and what do you make of some of the early transfers transfer wise again um, get back to us in two weeks one of the Super League fixtures announced we don't know yet um, Sad Pidantar says can Sam Pauli fix this and build a new squad with or without Messi and realistically compete for next year's Copa he can yeah it depends what we what you mean by fixing um, it's a fairly vague term if fixing means going out and winning the Copa America I think it's going to be difficult, especially if Brazil send their best team, which is a team that's Imagine. extremely settled and extremely powerful. Um, if fixed means putting some order into the Argentine national team and creating the base for, for a side that can do well in the qualifiers and then go on to Qatar. Which, in possibly. fairness, is what they said that they were aiming for when they first appointed Yes, but obviously no, now obviously we're all panicking. Completely out the window. What I would do... What for me is what would any serious team do is to take Copa America as, as testing a tournament, yeah. not winning, not winning yeah. it because of course Argentina hasn't won Copa America since 1993, of course. But uh, uh, since this is there is providing there is a crisis and serious crisis in terms of football, especially. Yes, uh, if you are uh, bearing in mind uh, a team to take it little by little and to try to test it I think there is no better option than that next year Copa America yeah. uh, and start from now of course and you have one year time to just try to see players to watch them play just watch them play and try to yes uh, they have also fixtures in September October or yeah, on, on, if they don't already have them then no doubt they will, uh, mm-hmm. they'll be setting them up soon Yes, the problem is if that will be that will be possible because history tells us that it wasn't. Absolutely, Liam Harrison is Sam Pauli staying only because the Afro can't afford to sack him? Uh, yes, yes, basically. <laughs> uh, now, unless said, they can force him out some other way. The line that Lanasion keep trotting out at the moment, and they have quite uh, good contacts inside the Afro, is that the Afro aren't going to sack Sam Pauli 
that if Sampaoli changes his mind in the next few days and decides that he can't be asked anymore, then they will welcome the decision. They will accept his regulation. So I think that that kind of points to the fact that he's staying for yeah. now because they can't afford to sack him. If in... he were to win the Copa America next year, then maybe that would change their minds. But as it is, yeah. I expect them to get to the end of next year's Copa America, assuming Argentina don't win it, and then fire yeah. him once it's cheaper to do so. In the meantime, don't be surprised if on the front page or back page of an Argentine newspaper, a picture of Sampaoli having sex with a pig or something <laughs> appears. Indeed. But apparently to Lenacion also... Um, the the Stapia Angelici and the the Alpha directors will try to make him feel he's alone and to uh, well yeah that's what's happening now and this the... actually ties into the second bit of Liam's question which is why I'm going to interrupt you and then let you finish talking Andres because Liam says if so how do you see that affecting the Argentina setup yes uh, the the directors will try to make him feel like he has no more power that he's alone and that they uh, well perhaps similar things that the players have already been been not, not doing but uh, uh, what has been rumoring that he that he, they didn't pay, pay attention to him that he will be the coach uh, like an isolated coach hmm. or solitary coach and yeah there's there's been talk about sort of not giving him first class tickets to go to Europe whenever he wants to to talk to the players anymore don't forget that um, all the players in social media refuse to thank him or his coaching staff yes, on their Instagram posts. I'm sorry, I have to say, this treatment for all the mistakes that somebody made, this treatment is infantile, yeah. horrible, and just totally shameful for professional footballers representing their country. I think you mean shameless. No, it's shameful. No, it's yeah, embarrassing. No, no, yeah, yeah. No, exactly. But no, and no, it all started when Kuna Wero turned around and said, like, mm. que diga lo que quiera, with a question that wasn't even about what somebody said. Like, yeah. It's just an attitude problem, which is disgusting when you're talking about a coach who's got a proven track record. Like you can criticize some bad decisions, whatever you want, but this whole witch hunt and and idiotic uh, victimization is just—I don't like it at all. Yeah, yeah. I mean, essentially, the Apple are going to be telling him in the next few days that he's going to be on a much tighter leash, as it were. No, no one likes him. And there is a director's problem clearly. When one year ago. Chiqui Tapia said that Sampoli was the best tournament, uh, coach in the world mm. and now you have to pay him $20 million for, to, to leave. Yeah. So that's something not very coherent, of course, and, and tells everything about Rafa. Uh, Yusuf Amin says, on Lautaro Martinez's move from Racing to Inter, I'm his biggest fan, but I'm a bit sceptical <coughs> of his move. Don't think that Serie A suits his style of play at all. I would much rather he went to the Bundesliga or Premier League. Does anybody share the same opinion? All I'll say, because I don't want to talk too much about transfers at this point, is that if Lautaro and Icardi strike up a very good partnership, it will be much to the benefit of everyone involved in Argentina for the next 10 years. Yeah, I, I think, I mean, he's, he's yeah. an explosive striker who's capable of dropping off the front line or joining the front line. There's no reason why he can't do that. doesn't do well in Serie A. I mean, that, that kind of player, I think, is going to yeah. prosper anywhere. I mean, the days of Catenaccio and actually struggling to score goals in I, I, Italy are well out of date. I mean, yeah. even Iguain scores 20 goals a season in Italy. <laughs> Icardi will be, yes, I think Icardi could be there, uh, Licha Lopez, with 10 years less, of course. Uh, <laughs> uh, so I think that they could yeah. fit perfectly. I'm looking yeah. forward to it. Phil Carney says, not to blame him solely, honestly, but was the call-up of Mascherano the single most disastrous call-up for Argentina? 
His inclusion naturally excluded another candidate, not a great start based on his performances, and seemed to make him a mandatory starter to top it off. Yeah, that's pretty much what we said. I mean, they worked themselves into a corner with his picking, and the only guy who could get him out of that corner, or at least make the corner not seem such a corner, was Machirana. So, yeah, I, I agree 100% with Phil. Phil also asks... In terms of Mascherano's replacement, is he the second coming of Cranevita, or am I utterly naive in hoping for Marconi? What I will say in reply to that is that Ivan Marconi is 28. So if Argentina are planning on building the future midfield around him, I mean, much as I rated him, and much as I actually said... Uh, He's another Maxi Messa, yeah, right? He's done well in Superliga, but you wonder if he can make the step up exactly like a year and a half ago I wonder why Bowser wasn't picking it, wasn't calling him up he, yeah. he, was, he was in mass, magnificent form um, but actually throwing him into the World Cup now at, at this stage I think that's probably a little bit too much what I agree in that question is that Machano playing well or not or, or bad like in perhaps the last times he he uh, took a, a, a spot Making that spot uh, of himself, so mm. uh, that of course made that there. If there were any any other players, well, that we don't know because uh, it was always Machano there, and, and now I think there is uh, even less centre midfielders and uh, than, than uh, defenders and strikers. So uh, as Casiba and, and Carnevita, and then you don't have any other. If you are talking about yes, the, the Qatar twenty twenty two, for example, in which Marconi will have thirty two years. Yeah. Um, Tom Robinson says can Mauro Sarate ever show his face in Liniers again and then he's Mauro, there yeah. three snake emojis Mauro um, Sarate can't even show his face in the Sarate Sunday family barbecues his own family Mauro Sarate might have to show his face again because he said earlier today that he is not going to have it written into his Boca contract that he can't play against Meles but um, you know he, he, he gave this really weird uh, statement on social media Yesterday, saying uh, that he was really sad to be betraying Meles's fans like the way like he is, which was a sort of recognition that he's doing it, and yeah, at the same time, it's it, it, just a classic sorry, not sorry to me. He said he also said today that the worst thing about all that, all this, is that he didn't keep his word. Was like, well, it's your word. It's not like anyone else. Yeah. It's doing this. Ash. P says, why is AFA planning to waste 16 million on getting rid of Sam Pauli, only to then appoint someone else just as useless, knowing their recent track record of appointing managers? Wouldn't that 16 million or so be better invested wisely in youth development, etc.? Cheers. Well, so the yes. first thing is, they're not planning on wasting 16 million because they're not going to sack him. They're going to wait for him to resign. They're setting the media dogs on him. They will make him for the The second thing is that the current AFA's recent track record of appointing managers consists of Jorge Sampaoli and nobody else because yes. Edgardo Bausa was imposed on them by the FIFA-imposed normalising committee, which, FIFA. yes, included a few people who were on the current AFA board, but was not the current AFA. And everybody prior to that uh, was, was the previous AFA. <coughs> was Luis Segura who appointed yeah. Gerardo Martino. Was um, it Segura or Garandona? I can't remember if Garandona died in the middle of... I think by the time Martino was appointed, it was Segura. Uh, I can't remember if negotiations opened with Grandona. Grandona died in early August of 2014, if I remember right. Um, So basically, I mean, on on the first part of your question, you're you're mistaken. Sorry, that's not what's (laughs) happening. Um, And on the second part of the question, uh, their recent track record, 
it, it's just Sam Pauli. And I, in, as, as we already said, in the medium to long term, I think it's a sensible appointment. I'm, I'm just not sure that it's gone off that well for them in this yeah. first... Well, I know that it hasn't gone off for them that well. With regards to the 16 million, it's money they don't yes. have. So it doesn't matter if that goes into youth development, uh, magic beans, uh, I don't know, Russian roulette, whatever. It doesn't exist. Precisely. Ben, Benilin Forchestikov. What a name. Uh, says, best channel for streaming service for someone in the UK. I have a sneaking feeling that's not his real name because his Twitter tag yes, is it's, Peter it's McCulloch. Um, it's probably just a Russian sounding name for the World Cup. I like uh, it. Best streaming service for someone in the UK. Uh, there is a subscription service. I'm very loath to mention the name, but since you ask, it's fanatis.com. That's with a Z at the end. Uh, the reason I'm loath to mention it is, is that apparently they don't want to sponsor. Um, but, you know, uh, I'll throw it out there anyway. They are a subscription um, service. I think you pay something like $5 a month. And if you're in the UK or the EU uh, or the United States, since a lot of Alice's are in the United States as well, they give you live Super Liga matches, live Libertadores and Sudamericana matches, live matches from Chile and from... Colombia and Brazil and I think one or two other South American leagues off the top of my head I can't remember exactly Was there um, not a UK freeview channel that at some point were going to show you Super League games? Oh there might have been but these guys have actually got sort yeah. of global No I was just wondering what ha- would have happened to that because I it turned definitely out to be saw Fox, as far as I can see that, oh. yeah it was about this time last year Gold TV it, they or just, something They yeah. kept on having, having delays um, um, Johnny so, you, Sorry but if you spend $10 you have the live matches and Hand of Paul Yes <laughs> Thank you for that. And also uh, on, on Fanatis, they, they have video on demand as well. So if you miss a match, you can watch it back in full later on. Uh, Johnny, not the same Johnny as earlier. This is a different one without an H. Says, Mesa and Pavon. A sign that San Paoli was in it to please Chiqui Tapia's buddies, Angelisi and Moshano. Angelisi promising the national team to Sarate, which is apparently right. So that, that's a separate thing. Uh, let's answer Mesa and Pavon first. Is that a sign that San Paoli was in it to please Chiqui Tapia? I don't think so. I think they were picked on four. <laughs> there were certain picks. The Mesa one seems strange just because of what happened with Centurion, who is definitely not uh, the object of Angelici's affections after not going back to Boca. Uh, the fact that he appeared to be in the World Cup team before going to a birthday party. But it was on one birthday party that was for a Boca player. Yeah. So if that was the reason he was struck off and not because Angelici gave him the thumbs down, it's kind of strange. But I, I, I sort of think that's probably not the case. And, and it, this ties in with Johnny's second... I think week. deserved to be in there and I don't think any of us yeah. would disagree with that. No, but Mesa but Centurion was the weird one. But that ties in with, with, with Johnny's second question which was Angelisi promising the national team to Sarate as he apparently did. This has all been sign. denied. I think he knows Pavon is practically sold and is being a little selfish. Well... It's so, sense, but it has been there denied. was a claim on the news yesterday, uh, yesterday being Tuesday, because by the time this goes online it'll be Thursday, um, <coughs> that, that, that Sarate's agent had said that the reason that Sarate had agreed to sign for Boca was that Daniel Achillesi said, if, you're going, if, if you sign for us, you'll be in the national team. Sarate's and agent today, being Roli Sarate, his brother. Okay, so the name was something else. Who is now angry at... So, 
Maurizetti. You're quite right. So that was not the name that was given. So I'm, I'm, I'm getting this a little bit mixed up. Somebody said that. The president of Belis said. Thank you. Right. And today, Mauro Sarate uh, went on day say and gave a very tearful interview in which he cried about the, his betrayal of Belis because he's such a massive Belis fan that even he finds it disgusting that he's betrayed him. <laughs> he hates it's, all, it's all very confusing. <laughs> um, and he said that he hasn't taught us to, to, to Angelisi. <coughs> Pardon me. <coughs> that he hasn't talked to Angelisi and that no such conversation has taken place, that right. he's not been promised the national team, that that would be a ridiculous thing to promise him. It would be, yes. yes and that so that's probably going to happen now. And that will mean that Angelici finally is the one who builds the team, so it's not, has no sense. Yes, absolutely. Um, that's it. Those are all of our questions. We have no results to predict because Sadly, no. Argentina are play. As I said already, it's been quite a long second half, which is why I'm wrapping this up so, so abruptly. Um, as, I, as I said already um, earlier on, please join us again in two weeks' time for Hamlet Pod episode 303. If you're a Patreon supporter, thank you very much for being so. If you're not, please consider being so. You'll find us on Patreon. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash Pod, um, where you can sign up for Hamlet Pod extra episodes. We will be recording one in a couple of minutes' time right now. Uh, after this theme music and in the meantime thank you for listening and we'll talk to you or at you again in a couple of weeks time thanks and goodbye from Andres thank you goodbye from English down goodbye and thank you for listening and from me thanks and goodbye it's a couple of hours later and I've just remembered uh, that I had a question by email as well from Ese Doloriki, who uh, some of you might remember that in the last few episodes, um, Ese has tweeted us questions which for some reason haven't shown up on my Twitter mentions or on the Hand of Pod Twitter mentions. Uh, so I gave him my email address and he emailed me today. And we had a couple of cuts that I had to make. And as a result of those, I was emailing them to myself and I forgot to look in my email inbox. So I apologise for not answering these properly on the podcast itself, Ese, but I hope that you're still listening now. Uh, he says two questions. In order for the Argentine national team to progress, would Sampaoli, uh, I assume Sampaoli, he's forgotten to put the name, have to go or stay? Um, I think we kind of answered that one on the episodes uh, in, in passing anyway, but in my opinion, um, as, as Dan and I sort of said, it, it would be the right decision for the wrong reasons if the AFA were to allow him to stay because they can't afford him to, to sack him. In the medium term, I think it makes as much sense to keep him um, as as it would to to appoint anybody else to sort of oversee the under twenties and and the under twenty ones, perhaps the under nineteens, um, if it falls into that remit. So I w- I would say stay. Uh, and Essay's second question is uh, how do you see the Argentine national team in the Copa America twenty nineteen and what players would you like to see in that twenty nineteen team? Again, we sort of touched on that during the podcast. I think it's going to be a new team. Obviously, Mascherano and Biglia aren't going to be there because they've retired. Uh, potentially Messi isn't going to be there either, uh, depending on whether these ideas about him um, taking a break or potentially retiring altogether from the national team uh, come to fruition or not. Uh, so it's, it, it's going to be a new team. I would expect to see, for instance, Santiago Ascasibar, Matias Craneviter, perhaps, um, uh, Leandro Paredes uh, involved in midfield. In defence... Emmanuel Mamana is, is the obvious name that stands out. Apart from him, I, I'm not seeing too many other sort of uh, young centre-backs coming through. 
Um, and, well, Lautaro Martinez, you would have to assume, if he, if he has a good start at Inter, uh, is, is going to be in with a shout in attack as well. But sort of that, that kind of generation coming through now. Um, and to use the Copa America 2019, I think, as, as more of a stepping stone, as I think we mentioned on the episode, uh, rather than necessarily trying to go all out to win it, just, just to sort of see how the players can do um, would be the best approach, I think. I hope uh, that you're happy with those answers, SA. I'm sorry that Dan and Andres didn't get them. As I say, I apologise again for forgetting them during the episode, but I'm kind of glad that I remembered at least before I started editing this one. Bye for now.